Everybody, welcome to Jolty. Anna and I are so excited to have Chloe DeRuffre, I think I'm saying it right, um, a brilliant trend researcher, join us. We're, we love, love uh, other futurists, other trend people. We love to compare notes, etc. And uh, we're very excited to have her. What do you think, Annie? It's our first Jolty of the year, right? So Yeah, Happy New yes. Year. Happy ha- Jolty happy year. year. Right. Let's hope oh, it's is, it going to, is it going to be a Jolty year? I think it's inevitable. Yeah. I think we're in the middle of what they call a poly crisis. So yeah, it's pretty going to be pretty rough, but I think it's good to start our first Jolty of the year with, I believe this is the first true futurist that we've interviewed on Jolty too. So it's going to be great, as you say, to compare notes and to, yeah. And to see how everybody uh, is looking differently out beyond the horizon. Yep. And she's in Paris. Is she living in Paris? That's pretty cool. I, I, was it Paris or was it somewhere? I think she was somewhere in the in the Loire Valley. I don't remember, but it's it's somewhere I want to be. Yeah, exactly. Instead of here, where it's freezing, and yes, not too pretty. No, so, it's gray. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on. I mean, it's almost. I'm thinking that people are going to even want to hide out more because it's too much to bear. Nobody wants to go back to work, uh, except the big bosses want them to come back everybody thinks there's like maybe like a economic crisis looming. There's the Ukraine, you know, what else could there be? They're shooting. They shot another kid. I mean, I don't know. It's, is it always feel like this? Yeah, I do. I do think that we are in a unique moment of so many things happening to people at the same time that they really have become numb. We've talked about this. They don't really know how to react. Yeah. I think that's why you're seeing, you know, there was just this article about the huge part of the toy business that is now being uh, bought by, consumed by adults, adults buying toys. It's a great, you know, we are in this great national, forget a recession, we're in a regression. I love that. That's a good quote. Yes. Forget a recession, we're in a regression. We'll have to tweet that. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it's just in my house here, but... uh, there seems to be like a big trend toward board games, not electronic games. We have board games stacked up to the ceiling. It was just a story in NPR about the explosion of board games. Yes. Crazy, yes. right? Yes. So yes. what is that? Is that we want to be together? We want to bond? We want to like get closer to our families? We want to stop retiring behind our screens? I think so. I think it's a return to the analog to some degree. Board games are analog. You know, why are vinyl records so popular now? And, you know, they've crossed CDs in terms of sales. That's also returned analog. So that's also a kind of regression. It's all coming together. If there's this nostalgia or, or, you know, you know, what did you call it? Like, you know, Regression. regression, moving backward with board games. What about food? What's going to, you know, is, is, is suddenly organic too cold? Do we want some spaghetti we want do we want to call pasta spaghetti do we want it with red sauce (laughs) Uh, we want well you know the red sauce is kind of cool so look at what happened with plant-based meat right which everybody thought was going to you know beyond meat impossible foods and so right beyond burger and now it's crusted and the stocks have been crushed and sales are down 
that's a rejection of technology, basically, like board games is rejection of technology. And people are fed up with big tech. So there's an anti-tech backlash. And I think that's expressed in food, too. We want simpler. It's, it's, it's In a way, it's like the comfort food revolution, but it's even more basic, I think. Yeah. You know, um, I think one of the reasons that the veggie burgers and all, you know, crashing is that they were made up of such, you know, kind of crap. That's correct. You know, pushed to, you know, melded together. I I don't want to believe, and I don't want to say here that we're going to stop caring about killing animals and going veggie because, you know, I'm a big proponent. And as you know, the cows are killing the planet. We cannot go on eating like that. So that's it. I don't think we've cracked that. Right. But yeah, it seems like cold or get, you know what the hottest color is beside magenta, which is a very hot color right. this year, the panda, is dark purple. And, you know, so we're we're tired of what, that sterile white look, you know, the, the, the iceberg look in apartments and houses. Maybe we are looking for something warmer or less complicated or kinder, kinder? I don't know. Also safer. I mean- Purple mm-hmm. is is safe. It's embracing, and and white is cold and harsh and um, a little bit scary. And you look like ter- you look terrible too, as I sit in front of my white background, <laughs> but with a filter on. Anyway, yeah, wouldn't that we have to watch that? You know, I mean, the modern car. You know, we as you know, uh, you know, we work together on this car coons. You know, the minivan and all. Now they're. Nissan has this concept car, which is beautiful. It's a van, but it, it can convert to an office and maybe a sleeper. I don't know. That like the mini bus, the you know, Volkswagen bus was like part, you know, the beginning of that. But so what's gonna happen with cars? Maybe they're not gonna be so sleek and small and look like a rocket ship. Maybe we want something warmer. More cozier. yeah, more more um more comfy and more comforting. Yeah. Assuming and we're gonna be in cars that much in the future because I, I i don't think we are you don't think we're going to be traveling in cars as much no i think that um look what's happening in new york in terms of the combination of congestion pricing and more roads being turned over to bicyclists and yeah. you know just reinventing the city around walkability so we mm-hmm. may you know we may be using cars to go large longer distances but then you've also got massive investments in light rail that are happening to connect San Francisco and Los Angeles by rail. So, and plus Gen X millennials and Z, they don't like to drive that much. It's not like it was for our generation when getting the keys to the car was a form of freedom, freedom. right? It's not like yeah. that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to be seeing as many people on the roads. Interesting. I'm so excited to have Chloe to refrain, come on, uh, you know, a real futurist like we are. I want to know what she's seeing. She's over there in Europe. Uh, she's so smart and 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 open, and uh, I, I can't wait to talk to her. Should yeah, we get I her on? We, yeah, let's get her on and let's kick it off. Okay. Hi, happy new year. Hey. Hi. Happy new year to Good you. Good to see you too. Good to see you. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, you know, just for our audience, Chloe, and we, we've introduced you as a f- futurist, and we're very excited to have another futurist on so we can compare notes and 
you know, et cetera. But can you give the audience a little background on you, a couple of Yeah, sure. Minutes? So thank you so much uh, first for having me. It's it's a pleasure. Uh, as you can hear, Eng- English is not my um, my native language, so I'll do uh-huh. my best to speak uh, in a very uh, understandable way. But please excuse me if I do any mistakes or uh, yeah, spelling anything. So no, no, no. yeah, as 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 you said, my name is um, Chloe or Chloe, as um, English-speaking people um, like to call me, and. It's it's such a good question. I mean, I would like to say that it was pretty random. Uh, I didn't want to become a futurist because I had no idea this job exists until I read a very short article on a magazine that was talking about those very cool women in Paris working in trend uh, forecasting agencies and Back then, I was living in Berlin and, and Germany and still studying and wondering, what can I do with my social science background? And I love sociology, but I don't want to do a PhD. I don't want to become a professor. Um, and so I thought, this is it. This is what I want to do. I can use my uh, skills in sociology and social sciences and and then also combine it with my interest in arts and fashion and all that kind of thing. So for me, it became very clear that I wanted to be in this, um, in this field of, uh, yeah, of, you know, future, future thinking, trend research, that kind of thing. It's only later on, I would say like maybe three or four years ago that I really learn about the different uh, ways of doing trends. So we have like the futurist, then we have, uh, the futurist designers or people doing speculative design or, um, you know, trend research foresight. But for me, at first, the reason why I wanted to work as a futurist slash trend researcher was because I'm passionate about humans. Um, I have a really like, um, yeah, I love to be around humans and I love to understand what motivates them and what drives them to do what they do, to be who they are and to think how they think. And I wanted to use this interest and turn it into uh, something meaningful that could help me to work in the future field. So this is, a, this is how it all started 10 years ago. Right. So... Um, just generally, you know, we were just talking before you got on, you know, the world is in such disarray, the economy, the war in the Ukraine, you know, just the destruction of the planet. What, what, what do you think people's reactions are to this kind of, you know, surrounding? This is such an interesting question. Um, I just read when I was preparing our conversation that the world, the most popular world in 2022 was permacrisis, crisis everywhere, all the time. Uh, right. And that as a reaction after years of pandemic crisis, uh, delus- delusion also, like people want to have fun. They are aware of what's happening, but there is this, I think one of the, uh, someone in a report called it, it was a report by Trent uh, Watching, it's a great agency in Amsterdam. Um, they call it freedonism. So freedonism. Oh. And so I was like, this is interesting because there is such a discrepancy between what we see in the media 
uh, and what is happening in the world and, and how you see people on the street. I mean, I, I don't know how it is in the US right now, and I would love to hear your perception, but here in France, people, of course, are mm -hmm. scared and anxious and worried, but at the same time, there is this joy of wanting to move forward to be together to try to see it maybe to see this crisis those crises as a chance um and try to make the best out of it all together so maybe i'm a bit too optimistic uh it's for some people it's a quality for others it's a, a weakness but i feel that one of the possible reactions to this perma crisis could be uh this need to have fun and to seek um, lightness wherever people can, uh, if they can, in, in even just tiny moments, you know, like this hopefulness. Yes. Yeah. How is it in the U.S.? How do you see yes. it? How do you perceive it? Well, people are asking us for advice all the time, what, what professions they should go into. And one of, well, one of the ones that I think we're both very keen on is pleasure. And that's our pleasure revenge trend, you know? things that make you happy. It doesn't have to be all the time, you know, it's like psilocybin, like drugs, magic mushrooms. It could be like you taught, you teach yoga, right? Uh, meditation. Yeah. Uh, it could be coming from the inside, from a more spiritual place that we're looking for some relief. What do you think, Addy? Yeah, I, I'm seeing just so much content around the the sort of the zen joy in the moment approach and you rather than trying to to affect these big transformational mind shifts just to kind of appreciate what's there in a different way i think i was just going to ask you in terms of the fact that we've got a president who's 80 and you've got a president who is not as young as he was when he was elected but is still generationally very different so to what extent do you think the person at the top and their age, frankly, and their attitude towards the future has an impact socially, culturally? That's such an interesting question. Uh, I'm not very familiar with Biden's work, but what I understand is that his great strength is to surround himself with younger people, uh, sometimes very young people, Gen Z people, whether it is, you know, at the White House or around the country. Um, and in, 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 in France, yes, when uh, President Macron was elected, he was 39. He was not even 40. You know, he was. Yeah. Uh, he was very right. young. Yes, it's it's true. You're right, Adam. Um, of course, it 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 impacts the way you feel with uh you know you go with the crisis, you go with uh what's happening. It also, you know, there was like this kind of memes um, or the memes. Uh, b b during the World Cup of President Macron during the final um, against uh, Argentina, who was really acting like a young boy. And it was all over the internet, like really showing right. his emotions. Um, right. I'm not sure this is something that right. President Biden would do in a public space. Uh, maybe it's no. because of his age, of his personality. No. I don't know. But <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, the transition between Eisenhower and JFK in, in this country was a massive 
cultural shift, right? And you had that really with, with Macron. Um, so I just think it's interesting to think about the impact of the president on setting the mood. But then again, you know, we needed, I think here, we needed sort of the stability and, and the lack of drama that yes. Biden brought to kind of just kind of put a lid on things. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell you one exception with Biden. He jumped into the Ford 150 truck. It's a little truck that Ford is selling. And he, that truck is doing so well still. It's the only thing at Ford that is really doing well. And he mm. just spun around the racetrack oh. like a kid. So I think, I think maybe there's like a little bit, you know, of, of like, I don't know, spirit there, but no, you're right. It's, it's, it's quite an age. Yeah. It's- um, you know, when, when you look at the aggregation, like Addie was asking you about these 2023 predictions that you like observed and you thought were so good. Was that trend watching predictions or? Yeah. Trend watching. Uh, it's, Yes, yes, for 2023. Yeah, so which ones would you say you disagreed with? Which ones did you say? I mean, you mentioned freedomism, but which ones do you think that are, you know, future thinking? What are you vibing with there? So, uh, I mean, I try to come from a place of non-judgment, especially when I don't feel that I have Mm -hmm. enough knowledge about certain topics. What I do instead is saying, okay, they see it as a trend. So it means that it's emerging. I don't think it's emerging. I think it's already there. Let's say, for instance, in one of the reports that I, that I shared um, with you, there was something about the age of healing. I think we've been in the age of healing for so many years now. Mm-hmm. And then they were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, the age of yeah. enlightenment, um, you know, yes, it's true as well, as well, but we already, we've been there as, as well. So more than trends that I disagree with, it's more about maybe like the, 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 where the trend is in the graph. Like, is it emerging? Is it mainstream? Is it almost gone? One thing that I found interesting, and I have I barely have knowledge about it, um, to be honest, like this whole thing around metaverse, you know, last year it was all about the metaverse and NFT was kind of the keyword on LinkedIn. Whenever you would open your LinkedIn, you would see someone talking about it. And now it's all about the chat GPT. And I know that you had a question about it. So I'm wondering... Is this a trend? Is it? It's here to stay, of course, but no one is talking anymore about metaverse in a way, like compared to last year. Yeah. Well, McKinsey, I think, is projecting that it's going to be in the trillions of dollars, the metaverse. So I, I think that people don't know how to manage it yet. And they convince themselves that only young people are in the metaverse. I think that's why. I think it's hit like a kind of a gap. There are no real specialists um, that really, you know, understand it. Well, there's one agency that we we know called Journey, a Kathy Hackle, you know, is probably more advanced. But no, people don't get it yet. But the chat thing is, I think, really in chatbox GBT. Now, people are saying, 
I think Adam and I share that we're fascinated with it and we think it's pretty good. I mean, that, you know, we think the chat box is pretty good because you can ask it a question, spins, not just a general, general answer. So, I mean. Yeah, we played around with it. If you, if you, um, we, I asked Chatbot, what's the difference between a strategist and a futurist? Faith, I sent you the, that content. Yeah, I loved it. It was pretty good. I think, I think, you know, people who have been watching AI, so AI has been talked about for 30 years and now everybody is talking about. It. I think the metaverse is like that. You know, it's the old expression, technology is always overestimated in the short mm, term and underestimated in the long yeah. term. That's brilliant. That's right. I think is true. And I think, look how long it took for AI to finally demonstrate what it can do, although in medicine is making some incredible inroads. I think the metaverse is the same thing. But I think I think part of the metaverse's problem is that when Zuckerberg changed mm. the name of the company to Meta for obvious reasons... He made it seem as though Facebook is creating the metaverse and it's a top-down model as opposed to a bottom-up model, which is going to be embraced in different mm-hmm. ways by different people. So oh, I think a lot of the negative baggage that's become associated with Facebook over the years has now been transferred to the metaverse. And I, I agree. That's part of what's happening in terms of Yeah, the- I think I think you're absolutely right. And I think that when people, you know, when a Google puts it down or other companies put it down, really what they're putting down is meta. Yes not the metaverse. And I think it's setting back the metaverse, you know, some years, but let's talk about like a chat box. I mean, if it can write for you, if it can draw for you, and if it's really good at it, what, what's, what's the next step there? What, what do we great writers or let's say it gets better and better and it does get better and better. What's going to happen next? Well, what's going to happen next? Uh, (laughs) Maybe it will help us to solve or to answer like very, very personal questions, ethical questions. So we will use it more for personal use, you know, like a, let's say like a hypermodern oracle, you know, like, like the Greeks back then, uh, like, what should I do? Uh, I want your opinion, you know, and really like humanizing this tool that is, well, a tool, right. Um, considering like it as a, as a friend, as a, someone that you can trust um, on a deeper level than just. Um, the- yeah. I really like that because it's better than Google. It, you know, Google just goes like, blah, blah, blah. This is it. But it's more personable. It has more of a voice. And if you ask it questions like that involve violence, it goes, I am not programmed to answer any of that. Yes. So it has some ethics there. Uh, I, I think it's very interesting. It becomes the oracle. I mean, you don't have to like think that much. You can just ask it something. Yeah, but the downside of that is, yes, it's all true. But at, at this point, because there is no moderation, really, it's it's it could be just another mechanism to spread disinformation, too. Because all it does is gather what's on the Internet and cleverly assemble it so it sounds like a human being wrote the response and then push it back at you. So that's it. That's you know, Google declared code red when it last week or the week before because they see it as this existential threat to search, which mm-hmm. it, it is in a lot of ways. Not all kinds of searches. Chatbot GPT isn't going to be really good at telling you where to get a pizza at two o'clock in in the sixth arrondissement, but it will be good telling you mm-hmm. what's the history of pizza and how did pizza evolve, and what's the difference between Neapolitan and Sicilian pizza. So 
something like 50, 60% of the searches that are on Google could be replaced by chat. In fact, I could send you guys a link. There's, there's a, there's a desktop app where you can put chat GPT next to Google and oh. look at your Google results and your I'd chat. Love that. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, please. When you have a moment to send it. Yeah. Yeah, send us that. That's amazing. But look, isn't Google being a little bit self-interested to say that it's, you know, putting a, a like a blanket over chat GPT? Come on. It's no, I mean, Google is going to have their own version because they've been working oh. on AI for a long time. But oh. yeah, they're going to have, they have to, they have you to. Know, you know, now schools are saying that they can detect whether you've used chat GPT, right? Yes. But it's like, it's like in the beginning, Earlier, 25, 30 years ago, they wouldn't let kids bring True. calculators into right. the uh, – and now they're going like, you don't have to learn how to add. Also, now they're saying you don't have to know cursive, right? right. And I think it's the same thing, not allowing ChatGPT. They've eliminated be- – before ChatGPT, there was soft plagiarism software because people, kids were copying off the internet and taking a piece of, from Wikipedia and a piece from there and a piece of that and cobbling it together essentially – a DIY mm. version of ChatGPT. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then you have you have filters where they basically are plagiarism alerts for teachers. Oh. But you're right. ChatGPT. It's silly. If ChatGPT can write it, great, write it. Then I need to do something more. I need to analyze it, understand it, learn more about it, invent my own thing, whatever. Um for people that struggle, Adam's not one of them. He's the most brilliant writer that I know. But for people that struggle with writing, it's a gift. You know, write a bit, write a letter asking for a job. What if it can draw, if it can paint, if it can think? I think people are very threatened. What will we do? What's our advantage? And I think our advantage is we're going to become, of course, it's a singularity, become melded with robotic assets so that we can become better instead of rejecting one side or the other. And I think that's where we're headed. And nobody wants to believe that because it's just too threatening. It's about what evolution it's, it's about anti-religion. I don't know. And why don't people Mm -hmm. accept that? It's, it is frightening, but I think it is a collaboration because human beings, our brains get better from, Writing. Writing is not, it's a heuristic faith. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's not just an exercise because pe- you, you refine your thinking and you actually inspire your brain to identify new thoughts, pathways, yeah. opportunities by the act of writing. So if we want to compete with robots, we have mm-hmm. to write more, not less. Yeah, but we don't have to write from the mm-hmm. beginning. Go ahead, We have Chloe. to be able to develop our thoughts wherever we started uh, yeah no i just wanted to add that i i also think that uh you know this desire to create is inherent to humans so even if we have machines like or ai doing that for us it won't it doesn't mean that we won't do it anymore because as humans we have this instinctive need to create whatever it means you know create art create buildings a life whatever so maybe we could see it as a tool to help us as adam was saying becoming better in a way like optimizing our skills uh but i really believe that even in you know 100 200 years we'll still have humans just i I don't know if we'll still be writing 
by hand, with hand, with a hand and writing with pen and pa pen and paper paper I don't know but I think I think yes because it's it's part of us you know and it's part of of who we are and what we want to be as as humans uh, I feel I think yeah well you know what though I mean Elon Musk Neuralink will allow us to think something and have it you know on the screen or somewhere in the air wherever so i agree pa paper and pens are going to be nostalgic and not necessary and typewriters and you know blank screens that we write on that's that's the yeah. past almost so yeah it's a little sad but that's how it goes and people are just pushing back and going like don't take my humanness away. I want to still, you know, struggle with the human, you know, the human things we struggle with when they could, many of them be solved, yes. including loneliness with robotic companions. As we see in Japan already, can, in Asia, it's, medicine. it's quite, you know, common. And yes, it's... it's... Well, conversa I mean, there's a lot of startups that are demonstrating that conversational AI could be highly effective in reducing the loneliness mm. burden on people. And even when people know they're talking to a bot, essentially, it doesn't matter. Um, they're able to actually still engage knowing that it's not a yeah. quote, live person on the other Lucky end. Lucky when you are talking to your dog, you know, or to your cat. I mean, some people really have this deep connection. And yeah. Yes. I don't know. Maybe there are some people who even say, well, I hear response, you know, whatever, how it... I mean, if you want to believe it or not, but I think it's interesting, you know, this relationship to other beings that are not humans, whether it is robots or animals or nature. Yeah. I was actually reading the other day. I mean, it's, it's nothing new, but it was seen as a trend uh, in this um, curation um, that I, I sent you that um, p countries are going to give more and more rights to uh, natural elements animals, trees, rivers. So we already have like a few countries, New Zealand, um, Bangladesh, Bolivia, I believe. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. What would it mean, you know, for our anthropocenic um, society where we feel that as a human, we are in the middle of everything. If we suddenly give rights to those other elements, does it mean that we're not more important as we, as we thought until now than an animal or right. um, a river. I don't know. It's going to challenge also our place in society or in collect, like in groups or in this yeah, setting that we call life. It will challenge our place as humans uh, and not necessarily in a bad way because as humans, again, we have this capacity also to reinvent ourselves Always. And actually, some people reinvent themselves right. every year, January 1st. Uh, they want to reinvent themselves on, you know, many different levels. So right. it's exciting. Yes. Yeah, until February 1st. <laughs> Wait, I mean, that long? <laughs> Nathan and I were talking before about sort of a, a regression trend, right? You know, and we pointed out, you could see it in the return of board games, vinyl records, and now, to take that even higher, further, to your point about the natural world, I mean, animism, pantheism, seeing seeing, seeing plants and animals as having powers beyond what 
they might seem to yes. goes back thousands of years. Yes. It's a form of regression. It's a you know, primitive people who didn't know what we know now believed that plants were sentient. And now we're actually learning. Trees yes. can have conversations well, with each other. Was there like a tradition in the U.S. Uh, before the independence? Do you know of any like animist traditions in the U.S. continent, North American continent? Well, I mean, indigenous peoples, you know, pre-colonialism, there was a huge tradition of animism. Yes. So in the U.S. as well, because I know it's from Asia mostly, but I, I was not aware that it was actually something that was widely spread and... You just answer my question. And also, like, you know, the uh, Native Americans use plants for medicine. Mm. And, it, you know, and the drug companies kind of, like, destroyed that. And now we're coming back to it. That's another point of regression, Addie. Mm. Yes. I think you could write a blog about regression. Yes. Because yes. that's so simple. I mean, once you pointed it out, you can see it everywhere. Yes, exactly. Once it's like, you know, the old let your food be your medicine and your medicine yes, be your that's food. True. Yeah. That. yeah, that's that's true. Right. I mean, like, it would be an interesting topic to write about, Adam, for sure. And maybe with the help of ChatGPT, it could be interesting to see yes. what <laughs> it has to say about it. Yeah. Do you know, I went on ChatGPT yesterday and it was full. It yeah, said, no, we, did you got, see I that? Could, yes. We can, I can we, blame, we, now I can blame you. But yes, I got Yeah. It says, we'll let you know. And it writes a little poem and it, it well, demonstrates its prowess while. Mine, mine wrote it like a little play. Yeah. It says the stage is set and why it's like tired and more people right. are coming in and it'll be back to you soon. That was weird. Oh. So I think a lot of people are oh, popping yeah. on that thing. Oh, yeah. It's got, it, it's got a million uses like in three days or something. It's, it's, I mean, it's in every business yeah. conversation that I'm involved yeah. with. Yeah. No matter what the industry, no matter what the vertical, people just the speed of the speed of its uh, appearance and the need to rapidly process what it could mean is dominating conversations. You know, it's interesting. Like, okay, that I, I've been watching Yellowstone. Well, I just try to I watch everything. I'm just so addicted. And it was when the washing machine first came in the right. 1800s, and these. This the woman, you know, one of the star Helen Merrim says, "That's interesting. I could get interested in that washing machine because if you show people something that can do something for you, like a robotic, you know, vacuum cleaner, washing machine, or write something for you, or draw something for you, or babysit your kids, or anything, I think the human what is it? I don't want to call it laziness." Uh, but I could, I mean, mm. I could like, do it for me. And I think, I think, I think that more and more we're being enabled by, 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 you know, I didn't even want to drive anymore. Drive yeah. for me. Yeah. What else Wait. don't I want to do, Addie? I don't want to like what? I don't want to scrub and I don't want to write and I don't want to think. I don't want to draw. Well, if you're, you don't want to work, if you're in the, uh, why mm. quitting generation. Yeah. Or you don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to be forced to have loyalty to somebody, right? I don't want to work because I think the companies are, you know, without ethics, or I don't believe in their ethics. I, I don't like that they treated me. Or how about this? I don't like how they treated my father and my mother. They fired them. They did this. You know, it's a long history of corporate kind of, you know, yeah. not being too nice to their employees. Or I just want to have more time to do what I want to do, even if I might like my job. Yeah, right. Was the yeah. I didn't see Yellowstone. Was it the electric washing machine that 
Um, was it electric? Probably not in the 1800s. No, I think it was electric because there were cars. Mm -hmm. I think it was electric. Yeah, but very, but it had a ringer, you know, but just the way she, it was a great moment. I should try to find it, you know, like, what is that? I could like that. That moment, yeah. You know, if you look look at the history of labor-saving devices like the washing machine, and they were advertised that they were going to, back in the 20s, if you look at the old ads, that they were going to deburden women and it was going to make life easier. But if you look at the data, it was not that. It made actually life harder. Because? Because? People people were more likely to create dirty laundry because it didn't matter. They had a washing machine and they had a, it just took more steps, took more time. So labor-saving devices don't always turn out to be that labor-saving. And I think ChatGPT is sort of like that too. Why? Because, even if write, because I think even if it's going to start, what I have found is I don't, maybe because I'm a writer, I don't use it for that purpose because once you say, you know, tell me about the French Revolution, you're now kind of, you can edit it, but you're still kind of stuck in the framework that it gives you. It doesn't give you the ability to think about, I went to get a croissant this morning and I made me think differently about the French Revolution. It's The framework. It, it uses a very standard framework. And ton of yeah. voice? Also, yeah. Maybe? I think it's because you're a mm-hmm. very straightforward voice. It's Not like academic. It's, like, yeah. it's very flat. Yeah. It's very neutral. It's very, but no- I think it, it's warmer. It's, it's warmer than Wikipedia. And I think it's going to get warmer. Don't forget, it's still learning. So it might get to your point of, I went for a croissant, I was thinking, or maybe, might, I don't know. I, I have a lot of hope for that thing. Really? Yeah, I really do. But it's but its ability to innovate is limited because it just takes what's there. Mm. So far. Well, it's not going to, it's a long way from being able to invent. We don't know. We say that to make ourselves comfortable. No, no. No, it's just like, let me, no, because here's why I don't agree with that, because 99 out of 100 people can't invent anyway. So even if it gets as smart as 99 out of 100 people, it's still going to be limited in its inventive capacity. Okay, so I'm going to translate what Adam just said, which is, if you're a genius, as he is, it won't be able to replicate that. Yes, I agree. You're one half of one half of one quarter of one eighth of one percent. Yes, you don't have to worry about chat GPT. Oh, it can it can duplicate what ninety nine percent of people can do. I agree. Yeah, but not you. I I mean, yeah, Yeah, I agree. It can, like, so many people struggle. I want to write a letter Mm. and ask for an internship. Those stupid things you have to do. I agree. No, I totally agree. I don't know if you saw that. I sent it to you. There's a um, Chloe probably doesn't know the somebody developed a technology for chat where they put it in your ear, and if you're in court fighting, let's say, a traffic ticket. It gives oh you the an- the legal wow. answer. To- oh, to- you sent that to me? I didn't see that. I'll send it again, yeah. Somebody else sent me a thing where if you want to ask anybody in history, I think they only have 20 people now, any kind of, you know, have a conversation with Thomas Edison. Wow. You can. It's called character.ai. The thing you're talking about or the thing no, I'm the talking, talking about? about? Oh, okay. What The thing you're talking about is called what? There's a use case where somebody basically... Turn voice, text into voice. That's what ChatGPT is. Text text into voice, put it in a headphone so that if the judge says, 
tell me why you made that right turn on a red light, the chat GPT will give you five things to say back in response. My God, they're going to, they're going to eliminate those. Let me ask, but here's, so have either of you, I'm sure both of you have gotten lots of emails and examples of what chat can do, right? Everybody's sending around. I've never seen anything remotely as consuming where I've gotten such a flood of emails and messages and texts around the innovation as they have with chat. Yeah. I know. It's like, is, are you getting them in a good way or a bad way? Well, 90, most of it is, look how cool this is. Look what okay. this did. I asked it about this. I asked it about that. I asked it. We have 17 trends in our trend bank. And I asked it to define each. We're, we're working through it. Like I'm at four or five. I will say, and having Addie and I, we invented these things. The way they explain them was very, very good. And not just from, it didn't sound like they gathered a sentence from here or there. Mm. It was more holistic. I was impressed, I have to say. And they it's applied impressive. it to the present. Yeah. yeah like, like, um, like, um, what do you call it? Like, um, vigilante consumer. So that's about consumers getting angry at, you know, big companies. All right. And then they applied it to like people getting shot, uh, unfairly or, the vigilantism where it's coming from. Then I asked it, could January 6th have been predicted by vigilante consumer? And they said, no, because we didn't have enough mm. points of evidence. And it went wow. on and on about it. I don't agree with that. I think you could have predicted that, but um, yeah, it's crazy, yeah. right? My own work. Annie and I, our own, Adam yeah, found, is. you should ask him, Adam and I, you know, Dictionary of the Future. He found it, oh, he's found many, but there are at least five, you know, things that were predicted. Maybe you should ask Chad to expand yeah, on that's it. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. No, I think where it's also at its strongest is storytelling. So I asked it, I said, tell me a story about a rabbit having lunch with Wittgenstein and they have a fight over who picks up the check. Wittgenstein, tell the, the audience. The philosopher. And it gave okay. me, first it says the, the rabbit and Wittgenstein meet at a cafe. They sit down. The rabbit orders <laughs> carrot salad. It was quite amusing. And then, it, and it told a holistic story where at the end they fight over the check and the waiter takes the check away and the, the owner of the restaurant pays for the lunch. But what did Wittgenstein order? A soup. Only uh, a soup. A soup. Only a soup. That sounds philosophical. No, I mean it's not perfect as you said, but yeah, but it had this from from the from its open AI sort of reach. It had this structure of a story. In like you could say to it, I mean, I could sit here all day long with you guys, and you could say, "What does Donald Trump have for lunch in comparison to what what John F. Kennedy would have for lunch?" Yeah. Oh, I I said, tell me about. Uh, tell me a story about Hitler going to oh. Israel. So it made up That's a story. Good. It made up a story about he went to Israel. It was controversial. People were picketing him. And then I asked it again, and it said, "I can't comment on. I can't talk about his." So do you think? Like oh. so but also, you can turn it. You can turn it up right from zero to one, to allow it to be oh, more expansive. Okay. I saw I a little thing. There's a button that says reset you could have it tell the story again but i don't know not if you the same story i think you can tell if you want like a different version 
Take yeah. a look. I'm not, this is yeah. not my strong yeah. stupid. Yeah. Go ahead, Chloe. What are you saying? No, I wanted to ask Adam. So do you think that, because the first time you ask, they came with a story and the second time they said, I can't talk about that type of uh, historical figure. So do you think that there is like a, uh, I mean, for lack of a better word, I would say censorship, but some questions that they won't answer because of ethical reasons, um, because of. Oh, there are some. I think the I think the algorithm is constantly being okay. tuned. Would be my guess. So you come in at a different place somehow, and then the same question gives you a different answer. Like if you say, what's the best way to break into a school and kill people? It will tell you, I cannot answer that kind of thing. Probably, yes. Right. I mean, That's for right. our work, it could be interesting to ask, you know, about predictions, uh, like a specific one. And then again and again and again, in order to have different perspectives, maybe depending on, the, I, don't, I don't know if, if the place where we are in the time of the day has an impact on, you know, like maybe if you are in Asia and asking something about, I don't know, like non-alcoholic beverage versus when you are in the U.S. I don't know if the location has an impact on. Um, but maybe I don't know. Interesting That's interesting. You mean where you? I don't think. I don't think. It, I don't not, think it. That is not yet. Would, it would know that from your IP address. I don't think it reads yeah. your IP address. Time of day, perhaps. Yeah, because this could be like a huge difference compared to what social media do for us. You know, because like social media, they kind of create and show you things also depending on your location, right? Uh, whether it is on TikTok, on the For You page, or even, you know, like on the page on, on Instagram. So it's interesting that to see that it's not a feature that is on um, ChatGPT, I mean. Right. You know, but to your point about our role as futurists, you, there's an argument that says, because the future is nonlinear and chat is basically linear. So, it's sort of a reverse test. If you said to chat, do you think in the future redheaded people will run the world? And they say no, it's because there's no body of evidence that suggests they will, but maybe they will. So it's sort of maybe, if, if, if it's too agreeable, it's probably wrong. What, what could we ask it about uh, mm. Prince Harry? Well, it doesn't go, it, it only goes as far as 2021. Mm. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. It's oh. part of the disclaimer. Yeah, it doesn't it's not updated beyond it will, but oh. it's only up to twenty twenty. It's trained as they call it. the AI is only trained on twenty twenty one. That's interesting. That's fascinating. But let's I you know, it'd be interesting to ask the controversial questions, which I haven't done like was there only one gunman who killed Kennedy? Good. Good question. You'll ask it, I'm sure, as soon as we hang up here. Yes. If you can get back in. I know. How frustrated were you when you couldn't get in? Furious. And I thought it was just yeah. me no. being like a but, narcissist, I guess. You know, I said, it must be just oh, me. I must be doing something wrong. Let us know, because it would be interesting right. to see if uh, things are different today, if you can, you know. And, and again, maybe sometimes of the day, you know, like 8 a.m., instead of checking Instagram, people are now going to chat GPT to ask something about, I don't know, like, their dreams or their coffee or whatever, or a story they want to tell their children. So, and yeah. that's, I don't know, 3 p.m. when everyone is in meetings or whatever, maybe it's more. Look, I, I, I think, yeah, it's, I, I wrote a story, a piece, I'll send you a link about how, how chat could actually be very threatening to Brian's because 
misinformation could be created and then spread if the char if the content is charming. So I said, tell a story about a little, this is for you, Faith, our earlier conversation. Tell me a story about a little boy who goes to McDonald's and is turned off by the way cows are killed and, and becomes a vegetarian. And it told like a once upon a time fairy tale story about this little boy, gave him a name Timmy. He goes to McDonald's. He asks his parents what cows come from, hamburgers come from. His parents take him to a farm. He sees the cow and he becomes a vegetarian. That's nice. That, so it's like the most anti-McDonald's story in the world. But that's not misinformation. No, no. It's misinformation. In, it's only misinformation in terms of the cloak of reality that it's dressed in. Because if you... If, because if you basically share that on social media and then put images to it, it, you don't know that it was created. You feel like it's actually happened to this little boy mm -hmm. and it's a real story. Similarly, I said, you know, tell me about um, why I shouldn't buy a Volkswagen because it was designed by Hitler. And it then tells yeah. a pretty good story about so, yes, it could take actual truths and amplify them and make them shareable and create risk to brands. Yeah, I think that's a good part. I thought you were going somewhere else to tell lies about, you know, things. I mean, it could do that, too. It could tell you a nice story it that's not both. true. It could do yeah, both. Yeah. It could do both. But I love that you could say something like that and, and get a really a sweet story about it. Um. What about, I know that there are apps and things that can predict your death. You know, how, how, what is it? Your, your, your biological age versus your actual age, et cetera. But maybe you could eventually ask ChatGBT, you know, if I tell you this and tell you that and tell you this and tell you that, when will I die? That would be very interesting. I don't know. Yeah. We have, by the way, we have, we have biological age and dictionary of the future. Yeah. Well, you have everything in Dictionary of the Future. But, and you're going to start to like, we're going to start to write those blogs about it because it's right, just exactly. too good. Can't too wait good. to read them. But I think this conversation about about the biological age, I think now that people's imaginations are captured by it, then they will start to wonder, why can't it do this? Why can't it do that? It's sort of going to be a catch-up game between what it can do and what people want it to do, which is quite... Now, are we going to get? Are we going to get mad at it? Let's go. Let's. Yeah. Because yeah. exactly. we're going to expect it because we're so lazy to run our lives and tell us everything that we, you know, how many kids should I have? I mean, like what you said. What did you call it? Like a, uh, like almost like a centerpiece of life. Right. Chloe, what'd you call it early on? You said it might oh, end up oh, being yes, like our horrible. god you know, uh, like modern Oracle, uh, an Oracle. That's what I couldn't think. It's yeah. It's such a good question. You know, I was reading today something, um, that says that in, in certain spiritual traditions, uh, people believe that up to 80% of their lives is already written 80%. So we only have 20% of free will in a way. And, and so when free the will, more you yeah. practice, uh, the more you can, um, you mo the more you have like a spiritual practice, the more you can influence those numbers. And I was really thinking about, you know, how it, I mean, whether you believe it or not, how it feels, how it would feel if we had 
80% of our life that we haven't, we wouldn't have control over. I mean, and, and the first feeling that came was like frustration, you know? So I, I thought it interesting and I really want to dive deeper into that topic and see like different traditions, how they see and how, how they view this idea of free will. Um, but it, it's, it's a great question, you know? And then if we have then tools like ChatGPT and we can ask them everything, then where is our free will? You know, if the machine says, well, you, you, you need to have two kids because X, Y, Z, well, will it reduce our free will? Yeah. Will it, you know, if we want to believe it? I mean, it's, it's fascinating. We live in a fascinating era. It's, a, it's an, maybe it's like a mega influencer. Oh, yes. You know, not with the absolute hard ends, but, and we're used to influencers, aren't we? I mean, our teachers influence, our parents influence. Yeah. A meta influencer, influencers. you know, meta, yeah. A meta influencer, right. Oh, yes. right. So anyway, just just as a wrap up, this was I I found it so interesting, Chloe, to talk to you. Please stay in our stay close, and uh, keep doing your beautiful work, and keep in touch, telling us what you're seeing, and keep happy if you can. Yeah, and thank you so much, Face, for um, and Adam, of course, for inviting me. It's a uh, it's it's a real pleasure, and I, I know. I mean, maybe you don't know, but uh, you are truly like a true inspiration for a lot of us in in this field. And um, so it was a pleasure to 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 have a chat with you. And Adam, also, thank you so much for for just being you and for reaching out and all the knowledge and the wisdom that you share. It's always a pleasure. And and uh, I've spent some time today reading your. Um, your newsletter on mute, right? Um, right. And maybe the next one will be written with the help of ChatGPT. Who knows? Maybe I could debate it. But yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's good. Thank you so much. <laughs> I wish you a beautiful Thank you day. so much, Chloe. And uh, let's, let's stay connected. Thank you. Thank you, Chloe. I liked her so much. She's so, <clears throat> is it because she's European? She's so much more charming uh, the way she... I know. I was going to say, I want Chat GPT to teach me to speak with a French accent. That's my goal. Ah, well, it could. I think it easily could. She's an optimist. She's, a, she's very much, you know, looking at how the world can get better, which is, I think that's a good way for, a, a good lens for futurism, because often it's all about grimness, right? It and, is. And My point and of view, this, certainly. And, well, I'm right behind you. You're <laughs> right next to me. Right next to you. But, you know, dystopian, right? What's going to happen? But she, I think it's an interesting conversation about how your basic orientation influences how you think about the future. Do you know it's what cool. I love? The best thing I think she said, maybe not the trendiest, but the best, was she said, chat GBT could become an oracle. And I think that's what we're all looking for. We're looking for God in a technological form it's scary but that's what you that was like you could write something but don't you, you i think it's about i think there's an oracle quality but also it is also ChatGPT is also the ultimate this is going to sound negative again in conformity because what it does is it finds what is out there in the greatest quantity and indexes to that consensus that's true. It, but I think it could get more original. 
as it learns. Well, that's possible. Yes. I think that would be interesting. No, it was great to have her. And I think we need more futurists because I think the conversations are really electric when people from the same discipline look at things in different ways. Yeah. We have a lot of futurists, as you know, in, in Talent Bank. Let's just start to get them on. I think it'd be great. Uh, so Chloe was fantastic. And talking to you is always fantastic. So that was another episode of Jolty. Faith and I enjoyed it. We love shaking things up. We love hosting people who are transforming the world, who refuse to accept the status quo, and who are hopefully, and I think are, helping our listeners succeed in this jolty, jagged, and complicated world that we're in. So please rate us or comment on iTunes or the platform of your choice, but be nice. Tell your friends, and uh, see you next time. Yeah. See you in the future, peeps. See you in the future.